This week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. We've got a guest that I have known for years. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this earlier today. He is the first guest we've ever had that does what I do that's a full-time evangelist. Probably part of that's because there's not a lot of full-time evangelists out there. But uh, Ronnie's been traveling the world, preaching the gospel. He's got an incredible story, incredible ministry. Ronnie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you having me, buddy. Oh, man, it's great to have you. There's so much to unwrap here with you because, like I said before, your story's great, and not only are you evangelist, but you do so many unique things. I don't know anybody in ministry that has more unique ministry opportunities, and we'll get into that a little bit later on, but you've done stuff with NASCAR. Man, you're real involved with the uh, outdoor community. You're real involved with, I know you uh, you and your son both. You guys are both in a rodeo. So your ministry, man, crosses so many different borders. It, it, it's amazing. And you're one of the most effective guys in the country. But man, before we get into all that, I mean, your testimony, your story is phenomenal. Tell our listeners a little bit about Man, your backdrop, your upbringing, how you came to Christ. Well, Jay, you are too kind, man, and I, I appreciate you having me on your podcast today. Well, it started with a 17-year-old girl that was raped by an 18-year-old guy, and as a result of the rape, she got pregnant, couldn't have an abortion. Uh, matter of fact, the lady tried to take her to an abortion clinic, and this 17-year-old girl said, no, I'm going to have this baby. Nine months later, she had a six-and-a-half-pound baby boy, and that baby boy is me, and I'm, I'm not here by accident. And that's the whole point of, you know, my message when I'm preaching stuff is that not only am I not here by accident, other people that are listening, they're not here by accident. They're here for a purpose and a reason. And, man, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. And, um, you know, because we didn't go to church much. We'd go maybe two times a year. And my mom ended up, she divorced her first husband that he ran around on her, was an alcoholic, all that kind of stuff. And so... When when my I was three years old, my little brother Alan was one. My mom, she finally ended up getting the courage to go, go out and date again. She she went to this country western two step bar, met this guy named Jamie. Jamie ended up asking my mom out on a date, and I was talking to him the other day. He said it was funny because he had to try to remember memorize her number when he was drunk because she told him the number, and so he tried to memorize it. And so they ended up dating, going out, falling in love. He ended up asking my mom to marry, and she said yes. And so when they got married, Jamie put in legal procedures and adopted me and my brother as his own son. But my name changed from Ronnie McGahey to Ronnie Hill because Jamie's last name was Hill. So I finally had a dad. Somebody cared about us, but we still, you know, we, we didn't go to church. We didn't do that. You know, my dad drank a six-pack of Lone Star a day. He ran a plumbing contracting business, and he'd do a case of a beer on the weekend and stuff. And so but my mom would take us, like I said, two times a year. One day I was sitting in church. And I heard for the first time in my life that God loved me and cared about me. Man, I didn't know God knew my zip code. Most of he loved and cared about me. And But the preacher said I had a problem. I said, well, I don't have a problem. He said, the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, we'll all sin. I'm like, okay, yeah, I've done that. He said, well, the Bible says because we've sinned, we deserve to die and go to hell. I said, hell. He went on to say, you don't have to go to hell because God loved you so much. He sent his son Jesus out of heaven, down to earth, down across for you. And if you want to repent and turn from your sins and believe in Jesus, he'll save and change your life. 
And I was like, I want some of that because what I see in our home right now, the, the fighting and the junk and the threatening divorce and all that, I don't want none of that for my life. And so when he gave the invitation, man, I went forward and gave my life to Christ. I was saved. And I'll never forget that day because my mom got saved about the same time I did, either a month before or a month after, right around there, reading Dale Evans, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, yeah, reading her book. And but I'll never forget, I wanted to go home that day, and I wanted to tell my dad because I did not want my dad to go to hell. And I'll never forget, he was building shells in the garage. That's his excuse not to go to church with us that day. And I ran home. I said, Dad, Dad, guess what? I got, I got saved today. I got saved today. He said, well, that's good, son. And he went back to Hammer and didn't have a clue what being saved meant. And, man, I ran the house. I knelt down on the couch. I started praying for him. My mom and brothers came in there. And uh, I prayed every single day for two years that God would save my dad. And two years later, God orchestrated some events and brought my dad to church with us. Not one Sunday, which was huge. Not two, not three, but four Sundays in a row. The fourth Sunday, my dad, as a grown man, said, Ronnie, hold Peyton. That was my youngest brother. He said, hold Peyton. My dad walked down the aisle. He gave his life to Christ and was saved. I'm tra- talking the drinking, the smoking, the cussing, stopped, never saw it in the house again. Wow. My dad got in the Word, started reading the Word. Two years later, God called my dad to preach. We sold everything we had and moved to Fort Worth, Texas. He went to seminary, got his first church in Oklahoma. And while he was preaching in Oklahoma, me, his oldest son at the age of 14, I started to preach the gospel in my dad's ministry. At 14? It's just at 14. And I've been preaching ever since. <laughs> Man, so. I, I love, I get excited for my talk to you because I, I love not only hearing your story, but I love how no matter what you're talking about, you, you remind me of Billy Graham in the sense that somehow it always goes back to the gospel. And uh, man, I, yeah. even talking to you now, I'm thinking, even though we're on a podcast, I, I wish I talked to you more often because anytime, I don't know many evangelists because there's not many of us, but when you talk yeah. to another evangelist, there's always something inside of you. And I'm sure this is true for people that are in the sports world or entertainment world or business world. When you talk to somebody that that does the same thing you do, there's just there's just some way that there's a connection there that you don't have oh, yeah. with other people. There's just something about it where I mean, it sounds corny, but man, I, I I'm, I'm energized just even talking to you because even hearing you talk, I just so anything everything in my spirit just so connects with, with you, man. That, same here, man. And I've always respected your ministry and what you do and stuff, and always recommended you, man. And, but that's the thing is that the reason why we do what we do is because we've been changed and we know it works and everybody needs to know about it. We're not blowing smoke. This is a, the real deal, you know? Yeah. So you got called to preach. You, did you say 14? Is that what you said? 14. 14. Yep. So did yep. you feel like that? I mean, how did you end up knowing that you were called into evangelism? Because for me, I really didn't know anything about what an evangelist was. The truth Dude, was, I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't. I either. didn't either. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. all so, I knew is, is I just wanted to reach people. And, and so my, my desire, I turned to my roommate, I guess three nights after I got saved at a student event. And I just said, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. I didn't know what that was other than it's telling mm-hmm. people how to know the Lord. So how did you, you yeah. know, did you think you were going to be a pastor or what? Well, yeah, dude, I didn't even know what an evangelist was. I've never seen one. And all I saw was what my dad did and he was a pastor. So I thought, the normal procedure was you're a youth minister until you grow up and become an adult, really, and then you become a pastor, and that's what you do. And so when I was 18, I was a youth minister at a church. And right after I graduated from high school, my first year at OBU, Oklahoma Baptist University. And so I was traveling back and forth on the weekends doing the youth ministry and playing baseball at OBU and all that. And a friend of mine that I went to OBU with 
Todd Roberts, he said, hey, Kelly Green is coming in your county to do an area-wide crusade. And since you went to both high schools in the county, could you get us in the schools? And I'm like, yeah, I know everybody there. I know all the coaches and everybody. So I got them in into the schools, and then I left. I wasn't even there for the crusade because I had to go to college and be there early because of baseball. And so Kelly came in. He did the crusade and stuff. I'd never met him, but I played baseball with one of his board members' son. And so one of his board members, not too long after that, like six months later, said, hey, Kelly's looking for an associate for the summer. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah. So I met with Kelly. And so he said, hey, if you're willing to walk by faith like we are, I can't guarantee any money. But if you're willing to walk by faith, come on. I'm like, okay. So we did it for the summer. And then halfway through the summer, he has to stay on full time with him. So then I transferred from OBU down to University of Mobile in Alabama to finish up school down there because that's where he was, his office was based out of. And so I traveled with him for three years on the road, and I'd ask him, hey, do you think I had to get to the evangelist? He said, I don't know. I said, well, how do you know? He said, well, one thing is people get saved. He said, the other thing is, he said, other people see it in you. And he said, the other thing is, God opens the doors and provides opportunities for you to do it. I'm like, okay. So I traveled with him for three years before I even realized that I had the gift of the evangelist. And even though I'd been doing it my whole life, I mean, I'd been doing this since I was eight years old, telling my aunts and uncles and cousins about Jesus and my people I went to school with. And I didn't know that, that I had the gift of the evangelist in. I just thought, I just that's what everybody's supposed to do is tell people about Jesus. So that's kind of how that went. So you, even when you were in high school, Ronnie, you were a guy that was, I mean, unapologetic. You took a stand for Christ. I mean, you were oh, sharing, yeah. sharing yeah. the gospel, sharing your faith. Basically, ever since you got saved, yeah. you've been doing that. Oh, yeah, and I got made fun of on my baseball team in high school because of it and stuff. And man, I'll, uh, This is an interesting story. So I just did uh, a Man Up conference this last week in Austin, Texas, for a friend of mine named Mark Staten. He and I went to college together at OBU, and we, we were on the same – we lived in the same dorm, and we were on the same floor. He was just right down the hallway. And so when he was introducing me to these men last week, and I just – I didn't even think about it because it's been so long and stuff. He goes – he said, I just want you all to know. He said, when Ronnie gets up here to speak in just a minute, what he's speaking about, he's been doing his whole life. He said, I knew him when I was a freshman in college, and I was, he said, I wasn't living right. I was partying, drinking, all that kind of stuff. He said, Ronnie was playing baseball, but he was the real deal. I mean, what you see right now is the same person he was when he was 18 and 19 years old. And he said, nothing's changed. And um, that was kind of encouragement that he even noticed that or saw that when, when we were in college. I just didn't think anything about it because it's been so long, but, but that made an impact on his life when we were in college together. That's one of the things, Ronnie, I love about you. And I, I don't mean this negative about anybody else, but I know some guys that, man, the only time they talk about Jesus is when they're behind a platform on a stage. And that's yeah. what I love about you. I mean, even today when we were talking before we got on the podcast and you're doing a, a, a home group at your house, I mean, it's who you've always been, and it's not just something that you do when you're on the road and you're getting paid. I mean, you're talking about Jesus everywhere you go. And and, and the truth of it is there's not a lot of guys that do that. Something else that, that connected, I did not know really until just now. It sounds so much, Ronnie, like when I got started, you said that Kelly had told you. And for those of you that don't know, Kelly Green is a guy that's been around for a long time. He's a great evangelist. He's a friend of mine and of Ronnie's. As a matter of fact, that's how I know Ronnie is because of Kelly. But a very similar deal when Kelly told you that you're going to have to walk by faith and can't promise you any money. It was the same thing with me. I got a call from yeah. a, a guy that we both know who's since gone on to be with the Lord, a guy named Freddie Gage. And 
there was a guy that named Jamie Mayorga uh, who was oh, yeah. a full-time manager. You may remember that name. Yeah, yeah. But same thing. He called me and said, hey, you feel like you're called in evangelism. You can start traveling with this guy, but he can't pay anything because he doesn't have anything. And yeah. I'm like, how in the world am, am I going to do that? Because I was in college and I was cleaning mm-hmm. carpets at night. and did, I didn't have anything, man. My parents yeah. didn't have any money. And I traveled with yeah. him for two years. I had a group of businessmen that supported me, but very very much like you. I mean, I I, I wasn't paid anything, and then eventually that, that changed. And then even the fact that when you're talking about how you got started, people to this day ask me, Ronnie, well, how did you learn the ropes of evangelism? I had somebody ask me this last week in Maryland. said, how did you learn the ropes? Did you go to college to learn how to be an evangelist? I'm like, you don't go to Bible college or seminary to learn how to be an evangelist. There's one way you learn that, and it's by going with somebody else. And like you, Ronnie, yeah. you did the same thing. I traveled. Yeah. With, uh, I won't go through the litany of names, but like you traveled with Kelly, I traveled with guys, and that's really where I learned the ropes. And like you, right. initially I got invited. When I first started traveling with Jamie, I, d- I didn't do any preaching. I just spoke in the schools, and I did these things yeah. where we'd go out and I'd rally the students, and we'd walk down. That's back in the day when everybody hung out on Main Street. And cruised. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Same, same thing as you. Yeah. So you traveled yeah, that, with uh, Kelly, and, and how long were you with Kelly? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah, I was with him for ten years. Yeah, probably the last five I was with him. I was half on my own and half with him. And I was sitting there one day in a church when he was preaching. I was sitting on the front row, and as clear as a bell, the Lord said to me, there is no reason for two evangelists to be sitting in the same service. I'm like, but Lord, nobody knows who I am. If I go, if I go on my own, I said, I, I won't be able to survive. And he said, I called you, I'll provide. So I was like, okay. So after service, I told Kelly, I said, hey, man, the Lord told me I, ne- I need to go on my own. And he made it very clear to me. Kelly And Kelly's like, hey, man, come on. Just just give me one more year. Give me two more years. I'm like, man, I can't. Okay, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, I'll give you six more months. I'll help you find somebody else and train them. And then, but starting officially in 97, I need to go totally on my own. He said, okay. So it was a big leap of faith. And, man, God, as soon as I did that, God filled up my schedule and I was totally booked. And there's no reason, no explanation for why. Just God did it. Well, and on top of that, you, you've got something I don't do. In the midst of traveling in full-time evangelism, you also, I believe you have a doctorate, isn't that right? Yeah, I got my, I did it all the way through my bachelor's, my master's, and my doctorate. So, and I'm assuming, it was uh, pretty crazy. I'm assuming, Ronnie, because again, very similar to you, traveled with some different guys, same thing, there for a while, I was traveling with them, and then doing my own thing, and then eventually went out on my own, but... If I'm going to be honest, there was some, I mean, it wasn't always, the Lord always met our needs, but I'm not going to lie, man. There were some pretty lean times here and there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was always a trust factor. And that and that's the whole reason why somebody needs to go on evangelism. They need to do that thing like what Kelly did with me. It was like, hey, I can't guarantee anything. I'll try to provide, you know, try to give you a little bit of money, but I can't guarantee it. And if you want to walk by faith like we are, then come on. I think every evangelist needs to do that because that's something that you can't teach in seminary or college or wherever. you got to learn to walk by faith. And we have to walk by faith, and pastors and et cetera, they don't have to do that because they're getting a guaranteed paycheck every week. Whereas an evangelist, you don't, you're, you're jobless day one every single week until 
you get another job and then another job and then somebody. So every year you start off, you, you you're unemployed. Right. And if you can't if you can't walk by faith, you can't do evangelism. That's that's the bottom line. That's a, that's and, a great point, Ronnie, because it, a lot of people don't understand that that a pastor he's yeah. on staff and he's got to check every week, and that's not the way with us. Yeah, and but here's the deal with with me, Jay, that I can. I want to brag on God about this because my number one spiritual gift is evangelism. My number two is giving. And so when I was in seminary, I'd always, since I was eight years old, had tied 10% off the top. When I was sweeping the shop for my dad and he'd give me $2 and 20 cents, boom, immediately went into the plate. And, but when I was in seminary and I read Malachi about where he said, you're robbing me in your tithes and offerings. Man, that that got me and got my attention, and I was like, Lord, forgive me, because I've always been faithful in tithes, but I haven't done the tithes and offerings. So, Lord, from here on out, I'm going to do 15% off the top minimum from here on out. And, man, when I did that, God has provided for us, and, I mean, every single time. We have never—think about this, Jay. Through COVID, when everybody else is—you got essential workers, they're making money and all that kind of stuff. Churches are shutting down. Guess who they shut down? Evangelists. That's right. Because so, evangelists, man, we we come in to build a crowd and bring a crowd. So y'all are not wanting a crowd. So you definitely don't want me. So I'm without a job for a year and a half, basically, and not able to go to any church because of it. Well, during that deal, God provided for us, man, in a way, and I still can't explain it. I still don't even know how he did it. You know, I mean, we had to sell some stuff. We had to, you know, streamline and, and all that, and God blessed me, and because I was also, I wasn't working preaching, I was home roping uh, almost every day, and so we got really good at that, and I won some big ropings, and one roping, we won 18000 for first place and 12000 for second, so it was a good day that day, and that's just God, but it, it goes back to, he says, if you test me in this, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven. And even when everybody else in America is shutting down, God blessed us and poured out his blessings and provided for us through that deal, which is a miracle. And so I'm just here to say that God's good, and he calls you to do something. He'll provide. Man, that's such a great – I mean, it, that's it's a great word for anybody. And, and I'm sure somebody may be listening today to the podcast and go, oh, man, here we go. Preacher's talking about giving. But let me tell you this. Ronnie's not blowing smoke. Before the podcast today, Ronnie has – there's so many facets of his ministry, and he's got a great ministry. Matter of fact, here at the end of the podcast, I'm going to give you the, his website, and I want to encourage you to go to his website and check it out. Encourage your pastor to have him. But Ronnie's not blowing smoke. Ronnie did a deal for years where, I, I believe, was it Sturgis, Ronnie, where y'all were doing the, the car giveaway? We did a giveaway motorcycle up there, Harley Davidson stuff. But we did a thing called 3minutestory.com where we gave away cars and, and let churches use it and stuff. And like they could use it at their, their fall harvest festival, or if they were doing it at their county crusade, they were doing outreach there, they could use it. And so all the requirement for us was if, at that deal, they need to present the gospel. So we would train people how to share their personal testimony. And if they didn't have anybody to do that, then I had a DVD that they could just, somebody could sit down and watch my DVD for three minutes on how my life was changed, my testimony, and then get a chance to pray receive Christ. And so then if somebody in their, in their area, in their state or whatever, where they want it, then I would uh, pay for the vehicle for them, and, and the church wouldn't have to do it, or their ministry would have to do it. Our ministry would do that. 
So was it so we the did person that for, who won the, the person who won the, the, the motorcycle or the vehicle? Was that the person who accepted Christ? Or was that the person who shared Christ? No, the people that signed up, yeah, if they just listened to us share the testimony. I got now, you. the people that share, sharing the testimony didn't have a chance to win. I got you. It was all of the people that were listening to the gospel. They had a free chance to win. All they had to do is give us three minutes of the time, and they'd have a free chance to win. And so we did that all over the country. In the first year, we had 6,000 people pray to receive Christ. And so then the next year, we had 6,000 again pray to receive Christ. Next year, we had a few thousand. And so... Um, we gave away three, three vehicles, and is that what you're going to get at about that? Yeah, well, you just you, in fact, I think I hear you outside. I think I hear a bird chirping behind you. Yeah, yeah, I am outside. Yeah, and that's what I was telling our listeners. Ronnie's not blowing smoke. He he gave away motorcycles and cars to try to reach people with the gospel. And uh, Ronnie was telling me before the podcast today that he was out in California. And anyway, they had a giveaway of an infinity. And what is the irony? It's just like God, where here Ronnie has been faithful to give and, and give away vehicles, and then Ronnie ends up winning a $50,000 infinity car. I mean, that's just like God, man. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like something else you said that I wanted to you – know, you were talking about, and I think there's a merit, so much merit to that about how evangelists, you got to walk by faith, and that's really it's good for anybody to get to a place where they're really having to trust the Lord. And I remember when I decided to go into full-time evangelism, a, a guy, was, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he said to me, Jay, whatever you do, whatever, I called him to say, hey, listen, I'm, man, I'm, I'm launching out on my own, and this is what I'm called to do, and I'm going in full-time evangelism. And this is what he said to me. He said, Jay, whatever you do, don't go into full-time evangelism. And I was shocked because I thought, Man, <laughs> this is a guy that's given his life to try to reach people. And I called him to kind of get a word of encouragement, and maybe congratulations or something. And here he is yeah, telling yeah. me. Man, the last thing that you want to do is go into full-time evangelism. And I said to him, I said, why would you tell me that? And uh, he said, I'll tell you why. He said, if you go into full-time evangelism, you're going to starve to death. Well, man, I didn't know what to say. And then the phone call ended and, and uh, yeah. I was telling my family, I'm like, I, I can't believe here's this guy. He's kind of a legend of the faith and he's been all over the world and God's used him to reach so many people. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And uh, here he's got a young evangelist that's wanting to do something for the Lord. And then he, he says that. And so anyway, yeah. I, 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 I didn't know what to say. And then years later, I ran into him at a uh, conference and I said, man, he asked me how our ministry was going and God was blessing. And, and uh, I said, I don't know if you remember this, but I called you years ago when I first decided to launch out on my own. And I said, do you remember telling me that the last thing I should do is go into full-time evangelism because I was going to starve to death? They said, Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. This was years down the road. And, yeah. uh, I said, I got to be honest with you. I was devastated. Pierce, you're somebody I looked up to, and you were kind of an icon to me and and called to get a word of encouragement. And Man, I mean, I felt like I'd been shot with a shotgun. And I said, why'd you do that? And I'll never forget his response. He said, Jay, I told you that because I knew that if you weren't really called to do it, it would be just enough to keep you from trying. And I knew if you did do it that you were really called. Once I mm-hmm. found out the reason, I, I was grateful yeah. that he said that because he said, yeah. I, I realized he was trying to weed me out from experiencing a lot of trouble if it wasn't true right. to call on my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of young guys, they like the 
the platform and think it's glamorous and stuff like that, but they don't understand the canceled planes and missing your family and being away from them and all that. They don't understand that. And it's something that not only do you have to be called, you got to marry right to have a wife that can handle the uncertainty of the income and all that kind of stuff. And, and also being away in the, the long trips and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's yeah. definitely you got to be called to do this. Yeah, that's a great point because not only are you having to walk by faith, but your family's having to walk by faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I've yep. had so many guys over the years, Ronnie, they come up and say, man, Jay, I'd love to do what you do. How did you get started? And like you said, all they see is one part of it. They just see right. you on a platform preaching. They right. don't see all the other stuff, as you said, missing birthdays and missing holidays and, yeah. and canceling right. meetings and, 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 and not the stability yeah. of a normal job. And, and they don't see, right. too, that long before you ever got to that meeting, there's a lot of things that took place behind the scenes, not just with exactly. your, your ministry, but with other, every other person to help make exactly. that happen. So, um, yeah. And, and it's weird, Ronnie. I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I bet I couldn't name, just sitting here thinking through it, I bet I can't name five full-time evangelists. Now, you may be different than me, but I just don't know. There's not many of us left. No, I know. I, I mean, I'm with you. There's, like you said, maybe five that are preaching evangelists. Now, I know some music evangelists and stuff, but as far as preaching evangelists I that are full-time, I can't, I can't name more than five That's that do it. It's rare, and and really, there needs to be more of them. But the truth of it is, I think oh, yeah. some of that, Ronnie, is some guys maybe weren't called to it. I think, yeah, some, some yeah, and then some guys burn themselves and make money an issue and burn bridges, and nobody wants them back. I remember Doctor Fish telling me a long time ago. He said, "Hey, if you're going to do this, you got to be asked back at least forty percent of the time." So, and that's about right. I mean, I, I go back to at least forty, maybe fifty percent. Sometimes, well, maybe even sixty percent. Sometimes, but but I go back to a lot of churches a lot that I've been with and have relationships with. But you got to do that, and and if you're burning bridges, you're not going to be asked back. Nobody's going to have you back. Yeah, you're right. Just last week when I was in Maryland, I actually made that statement. I was there not only preaching, but when I was there, I also did the National Day of Prayer. And when I stood up, I actually made a comment similar to that. I said. I've always said that the honor is not being invited. It's not that. The honor is when you mm-hmm. get invited back. Anybody can get invited yeah. once. But, right. Ronnie, yeah. for you, man, the proof's in the pudding, brother. I was calculating the years from the time, not just that you were already sharing the faith at school and in college or traveling with Kelly, but you've been on your own, what, 25 years now? Oh, yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah. Been with Kelly 10, so been doing it 35 as far as traveling. That's not counting the year and a half at the church I was a youth minister at, and that's not counting preaching when I was, since I was 14, you know. And I'm sure you're like me, Ronnie. This is what I want to do to the day I die. I know I won't always yeah. be able to keep the schedule I keep now because yeah. uh, people don't realize that you travel on vacation once or twice a year. It's another thing when you're doing what I'm doing. And I know I won't always be able to keep up that schedule, but, man, I, I want yeah. to do full-time evangelism till my, my dying day. Oh, yeah, me too. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, well, and the cool thing, too, like when in COVID, when everybody shut down, it didn't stop my ministry. I mean, I was in the rodeo arena a lot. So I led a lot of guys to the Lord one-on-one in the arena. And so uh, 
I mean, I loved it. I love doing a one-on-one. So it's not just the math stuff. It's the one-on-one, too, that's fun. Right. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And one of the things, another thing I've always loved about you is, and I, I think any evangelist, my gosh, if you're an evangelist, you ought to be good at not only reaching unsaved people, but you, you ought to be good at helping to train other people. And I'd like to think any evangelist can do it. But honestly, nobody, nobody does it better than you, including me. And, and I know yeah, man. You, you've been so effective at that. And I'd be curious. There's a lot of people that listen to our podcast, Ronnie, from every walk of life. I mean, we have college students, high school students. We have middle age. We have grandparents, parents, the whole nine yards. And if there's one thing that I've seen, there's so many people that have never shared their faith. And I know sometimes mm-hmm. people feel ill-equipped, and I know sometimes people feel like, well, I'm not a good communicator. And, of course, you and I know it has nothing to do with that. It's got to do with you being filled with God's Spirit. But you've been mm-hmm. so effective over the years at helping to train people. And, I mean, I, I know you can't put on a clinic on a podcast today, but, I mean, what what are some things that you might say today on the podcast for a person? And, and, man, I know people listening. It may be mom, dad, brother, sister, classmate, roommate, neighbor, coworker, whatever. I mean, are there some things, some basics that maybe you could share that, that, that could be tools to help people maybe overcome their fear or, or ways that you've gone about it or things that you've employed in churches to help train people? Could you, could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, man. So when it came out of necessity, as far as me training people how to do what I'm about to tell you, because, you know, we were at Sturgis Bike Week and NASCAR races and stuff like that. <clears throat> We'd have people come by. And the first one was at NASCAR Bristol. And I was preaching at the top of the hour every hour. And my voice couldn't hold up the whole weekend doing that. And so I, I need to be able to, and we were missing people that were getting by because people wouldn't wait an hour to, till I preached again, you know. So I'm like, we, we got to do something so we won't miss all these people. So what I started doing was training people how to share their personal testimony. And it's and the idea is out of uh, Acts chapter 26, when Paul was before Festus and Agrippa, that's what he did. He shared, uh, Paul shared what his life was like before he met Christ. He shared how he met Christ. He shared what his life has been like since he met Christ. And then he was given Festus and Agrippa an opportunity to pray to receive Christ right then and there. And so that's just a simple outline that we do. And But the reason why we do that is because, and I can teach them how to do it in three minutes, as far as they, they need to share the testimony in three minutes, because people give you three minutes. and um, But it doesn't come across as preachy, and you're not pointing your finger at them, because you're sharing what your life was like going on, so they're listening, they're engaged. But then you can get the gospel in with them while you're doing that. But And I tell everybody, if you don't get the gospel in, then you, I can read your story in Reader's Digest. It's not going to change my life. I can read out of a magazine. Where the power comes from is from the gospel. So what you do is you share, hey, before I met Christ, I didn't have any peace or purpose or meaning, blah, blah, blah. Now, the majority of people listening on this podcast probably are a lot of Christians, so they might have gotten saved at an early age. So what you need to do is, because most people that think they're going to go to heaven in America think so because they're a good person. Right. So what you do is you knock out that excuse by sharing your story for those of you that got saved at an early age. Say, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I went to church. Some of you maybe even were baptized as babies or a kid or something. Say, I went to church. I was a good person, but something was still missing inside. And I believe there's a God, but you know what the Bible says about that? James 2.19, God says, or the Bible says, you believe in one God? Good. The demons of hell believe two and they tremble. Satan knows there's a God, but there's a difference between having a, a, a head knowledge of who God is and having a heart knowledge. 
and I knew about God, but I didn't know him personally. So what you're doing is you're knocking out their excuse at the end. Uh, they're going to say, oh, I'm a good person. I've always gone to church. Or, I've been baptized. I've, I'm a religious person. All those excuses. You're knocking it out right there with the James 2.19 deal. And before I met Christ, I was in church. I was going, I was a good person. I did all those things, but something was missing. And then you get to tell how you gave your life to Christ. So I was sitting in church. I heard this guy talking. Don't use the religious words. Don't use the, I was in a revival. I was, I was, they don't know what that stuff is. So I was during the invitation. They, they don't know what that is. So just say, I was sitting in church, heard a guy talking, and then you get the gospel in. And you can always, and if you just imagine in your head, this is real simple because people think, I forget what the gospel, I, I forget where to start and all that. If you just take your finger and your hand and make it like a gun, like you're making a gun out of your hand, and you point it to heaven, we're pointing to heaven and we're pointing to who? God. So you start off with, God loves me. Then you bring your hand down like you're pointing the gun at somebody. So if I'm pointing a gun at somebody, I'm a sinner. I'm a bad person. So the Bible says I've, we've all sinned. You know, then pretend like you, you shot him. So because I shot him, because I'm a sinner, then you point down, your finger down to the ground. So I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. Then you bring your finger back up, pointing up to the sky, but you make a cross out of it. But because Jesus died on the cross for me, he took away all my sins, and then you point back to heaven so I could go to heaven. So it's just start, you start up, middle, down, back to middle, back up. That's the gospel. And so when you so, would be personally sharing <clears throat> your testimony, Ronnie, let's say I didn't know who you were and I ran into you on mm-hmm. the elevator or whatever, and your your story, your testimony, man, your story is incredible. You wouldn't have gone gone into depth about that at all in order for you to keep it down to three minutes. It would have just been an abbreviated, no, abbreviated deal. I can I can hit that deal. I can share even that in three minutes. And so and so, what I do is I just I will say that part about my testimony. Uh, Seventeen year old girl, blah blah blah, and I get to the end. But I was sitting in church one time. I heard just like I shared with you just a minute ago. I, I was sitting in church, heard for the first time that God loved me, cared about me, but I was. But I was a sinner because I sinned. I deserved to die and go to hell. But Jesus died on the cross for me, take away my sins so I could have a relationship with him if I was willing to repent and believe in him. So right then and there. And so then what you got to do is you got to tell them what you prayed. And if you don't remember what you prayed, you say, I prayed something like this. Yeah. Because they need to know what you're praying because they need to know, is this dude a cult dude? Is he, what is he, who's he praying to? <laughs> they don't know. So I prayed something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I want to ask you to forgive my sins. I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me in Jesus' name. And I prayed that prayer. And I'm going to tell you, and then you say, since you've been, since you met Christ. And since I've met Christ, then he's given me peace and purpose and meaning. He put our home back together. And what he did for me, he could do for you. So now listen, people that are listening, when you get to that point, you better convince me that I need what you, that, that I need what you got. So, don't give me this, if you want to, maybe you might want to give your life to Jesus. I don't know. You give me some of that, I'm going to say, well, hey, who did that to you again? Because I don't want none of that. Jesus did that to you? Okay, I don't want none of that. No, I better see some teeth. I better see some smiling. Some, I mean, that Jesus really changed your life. And if he did, you need to convince me of that. So he gave me peace and purpose and meaning, took away all my sin. When I die, I know I'm going to go to heaven. And hey, I'm not, I'm not so super saint now. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be in some cathedral or something. Man, but Jesus changed me. And what he did for me, he could do for you. And if you want to, then you give him a chance to. And then here's where you got, this is very important. When you get to the end, 
a lot of Christians, and I'm talking about evangelism directors. I've had everybody, pastors, do this right here. They'll get to the end and say, so, you prayed that prayer too? What's that lost person going to say? Oh, yeah, I've done that. Because they want you to just shut up. They don't want, they don't want to be confronted with this. They, they want to get this thing over with. And if you do that, you shot yourself in the foot. So what you do is, and this is the difference between an evangelist and everybody else, is that me as an evangelist, I'm assuming everybody I'm talking to is lost until they tell me different. Yep. When I get up to preach, I'm assuming everybody in that building is lost until they tell me different. And so I'm going to say, let's say it's Greg. I'm going to say, hey, Greg, I'm going to tell you something. How Jesus changed me, he can change you. And if you want to, right here, right now, you can pray that same prayer that I prayed, and God change your life right now. And here's what we're going to pray. And then I tell them again. So now they heard what I prayed. Now they're going to say, okay, wait, he's going to ask me to pray this. What is he going to pray again? And I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss, Lord, and Savior. Now, Greg, let me ask you a question. Is that something that you'd like to do right now? Would you like to pray that prayer for me right now? So now I'm putting him on the spot, and I'm sitting there waiting. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say nothing until he responds. He might take two or three minutes to think about it. I'm gonna let him think about it. I'm not gonna interject and interrupt his thinking. I'm gonna sit there. And then Greg says, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that." Okay, then Greg. Then here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray that prayer. I'll pray it out loud, and you just pray out loud with me. I'll say, "Dear God," you say, "Dear God." Okay, Greg, you ready? Let's pray. Dear God. And then if he's praying it silent to himself, I'm gonna say, "Just repeat after me out loud." Dear God. He said, "Dear God, I know I'm a sinner." I want to forgive my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I want to invite you into my life to be my boss, Lord, and Savior. And then, boom, right then and there. And then he can pray receive Christ. Now, let me tell you a little tip also, especially those of you that are in an area like we're in Texas. So there's a lot of Hispanic-speaking uh, people, Spanish-speaking people. I, When I've been to Nicaragua 14 years in a row before COVID and two years of Honduras before that, I had translators there with me, and so you never could find a translator when you needed one. So what I did was I sat down one day at the table, and I said, you stand behind the camera. I'm going to say this. I'm going to share my testimony, and you repeat after me. So I would do my whole testimony in a phrase. I'd say, hello, my name is Ronnie Hill. I'm going to say it in Spanish. I just want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk to you for a second. And then they'll say that. And then I'll, say, I'll do the before I met Christ, how I met Christ, since I met Christ, give a chance. And I'll go through the whole search prayer, have them do it in Spanish. And so then... When I, I led a guy to the Lord in my neighborhood that was painting a house, he couldn't speak a lick of, of English, and I played that video for him, and he prayed to receive Christ watching my video online. So, so if you have a lot of people around you like that, have somebody that speaks Spanish you know, do your testimony on your phone, so then you have it with you at all times. Man, that's great. And, and, and you actually have a booklet, Ronnie, if I'm correct, on your website that it, it is, isn't there one that, uh, is it the all about Jesus or the engage your world that kind of walks people well, through how to do this? Yeah. The, it's all about Jesus shares with people how to, how to do their testimony in chapter one. And then I talk about Jesus, Jesus, God, he was also man. He was sinless. What he did for us, all that stuff. Cause they need to know the fundamentals of the faith of Jesus. And then I have the other book, engage your world book talks about how to witness to Mormons, Muslims, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholics, religious people, postmodern people. And then in the back of the book, I have a chart about which each one of them believe about Jesus, about God, about how to get to heaven, 
that kind of stuff. So it's an easy chart for them to follow. I've got that as well. And so people can find this on your website. Yeah, they can just go to RonnieHill.com, click on store, and all that's on there. And I also have gospel tracks for cowboy, you know, cowboy churches, uh, motorcycle tracks, uh, hunting and fishing tracks that are gospel tracks. They're kind of like a special piece of God track, Billy Graham that wrote, but they're all, you know, cowboyed up or hunting, fishing up or motorcycle up for bike weeks and stuff like that. And you wrote those tracks yourself, right, Ronnie? Yeah, yeah. So it all started because my dad was a, a cowboy church pastor, and he asked me to find a cowboy track. And all I could find would be a piece of paper that had a cowboy on it, had the prayer, sinner's prayer on it, but didn't have the gospel. Or they'd have the gospel, wouldn't have the sinner's prayer. And I said, Dad, there's, I don't see any out there. He goes, then write one. I go, yeah, I don't know how to you know, do, do one of them things. He said, you're an evangelist, write one. So so I wrote one, and now cowboy churches all over the country use them. And with all the, not just the cowboy track, but the motorcycle hunting, fishing, we've sold now 1.5 million tracks over the years. Do, so, do people buy these? Do you have them in bulk, or, or how do they do that on your Yeah, way? Yeah, we have them in bulk, and in, in, in bulk's of 25. So you can buy 25 at a time. and your church can uh, order, you can order up to 100 for the same shipping price of $8. If you order up to 1000 you get the same shipping price. I can get 1000 in a box for uh, $15. Man, I just love how you've, just even that, the gospel tracks. You didn't just make one, but you really catered them to different segments of the population. Because, I mean, as you well know as an evangelist, speaking to uh, a, a group of guys that are in the rodeo world is different than maybe speaking to a group of guys in the outdoor world or the outdoor world from the church world. And, and you've just really yeah. made them, which makes those a lot more effective where people have something that they can really relate to. I'd be curious, Ronnie, what your thought is on this and we won't park long. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, when I share the gospel with somebody, man, I'm like you, I always want to tell them, I always use my testimony because I believe that's one thing people can't argue about. I never discuss Right. Never discuss religion, denominations. Even if somebody asks me in the context of that conversation, trying to deviate from the gospel, I won't even tell them what type of church I go to because it's irrelevant right. pertaining to the conversation. And like you, exactly. when I get to the end, I, I always offer people the opportunity to pray and receive Christ. I'm not going to go fishing without a hook on my lure. I'm not going to do it. Right. But I'm right. curious what your thought is. And I know you've seen this too, Ronnie that there are some churches that have gotten away from giving, and I know, as you said, some people don't understand what an invitation is. A lot of our listeners will, and that's where people are invited to give, to invite Christ in their life. What do you think is the reason for that? Why have so many churches gotten away from giving a, a public invitation where you can come forward today and meet Jesus? I think it's two reasons, or two main reasons. There's probably other reasons as well, but one of the reasons is I think is when pastors are standing up week after week and they're not having people come forward on a regular basis, I think they kind of get, um, I don't know, if I, I just say discouraged about it. And they probably don't want to leave the service on a downer type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so they think, well, we can we can do it privately or something like that. I think that might be one of the reasons. I think another reason is for churches and multiple services, they figure out they don't, they think that they don't have time to do it because they have to have their service in one hour. And so it's like a time crunch type of deal. And they don't have, they don't allow God the freedom to move and do that. 
but I think they missed out on an opportunity. Now, at our church that I go to, that I'm a member at, our, our pastor, every single week, he's given the gospel at the end and giving cha- people a chance to pray to receive Christ and how to connect with us. And um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, they would, if somebody was serious, they have an opportunity to do that and do a QR code on, on, the, on the screen that they can connect with us or they can text us or they can come up and talk to us even after the service is over. But I tell you, there is a whole different ball game when now we do several times a year we'll give a come forward invitation and also follow the scripture baptized deal right there on the spot so we do that as well and but when it, and when that happens those services are more powerful and stronger and yep. people are i think the testimony of somebody getting baptized right there and there is speaks more than the whole sermon and i think we missed out on opportunities like that i, I was in one time I was in uh, Missouri doing a uh, disciple now, and the pastor is a very large church, and I was younger at the time, and so he didn't want me to speak in church that Sunday morning. He was going to do it, so he gets up, he stands, sits on one of those stools, shares a little sermon, didn't give the gospel, didn't give people a chance to perceive Christ, but while we were sitting there at the very beginning of the service, we did the welcoming. I was sitting in the middle of the pew beside the youth minister, and this lady next to me, she said, hey, how you doing? I said, great. Nice to meet you. My name is Ronnie. She goes, where are you from? I said, I'm from Texas. She said, yeah, I can tell by the accent. She said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm, I was speaking at the youth thing uh, at the D-Now this weekend. She goes, you're a preacher? I said, yeah. She said, do you see this girl right next to me? It was a, it was a lady, young lady in her early 20s. I said, yeah. She said, hey, she just found out she has stage four cancer. She said, could you pray Could you pray for her uh, when this is over with? I said, yeah. I said, just tell her to hang back, and I'll, I'll be glad to do that. She goes, okay. So the dude does this, standing, uh, sitting on a stool, shares the deal, just prays, ends it. No gospel, no nothing, no chance to pray to receive Christ. Ends it. So see y'all next week, blah, blah, blah. That was it. I said to the lady, I said, hey, I'm Ronnie. Nice to meet you. I said, can I, can I pray for you? She said, yes, please, please pray for me. So I pray for, I pray for healing, I pray for peace, I pray for wisdom of doctors, all that stuff. Well, I get through, I mean, she's just bawling. She's crying. I said, ma'am, I said, can I ask you one more question? She said, yeah. I said, if, if you were to die, do you, do you know if you you go to heaven? She goes, no, I don't know, and I want to know. I said, would you, you'd like to know that for sure? She said, yes. I said, let me explain something to you. So I just went through the gospel. Got to me and would you pray like to pray to receive Christ? She said yes. So right then and there she prayed to receive Christ. Got her hooked up, found a counselor, somebody talked to her, get her plugged into a church or into a small group. But here's the deal. If that lady would not have been sitting right next to me, if she would have not asked where I was from and what I do, that lady, that young lady in her early twenties with stage four cancer, would have gone to a Baptist church, never heard the gospel, and never been saved. And so she would have probably left and thought, you know what? They don't have the answer. Let me go check out the Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me go check out the Mormons. Maybe they do. Maybe the Muslims have it. Maybe somebody else. Because these people apparently don't because I'm leaving here with no answers. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so important for us every single week give people a chance to pray to receive Christ because we don't know who's in there and who's out. And most people, they don't come every single week. Most people in churches now... They hit one every four weeks at the most. 
you're getting those people. Now you get your core people, your 20% people, they'll be there every single week. But the other 80%, it's one out of four is usually when they come. So you got a rotation of people coming through those churches all the time, you know? And I'm assuming you're like me, Ronnie. If anybody invites me to go somewhere and preach and they won't, they don't want me to share, give an invitation. I don't go. Yeah. Are you the same way? Yeah. Well, I, there, there's all kinds of invitations to give all kinds of ways to do it. Yeah. And, but they know me, most of them, and they know the kind of invitation I give and they're usually not, they don't have a problem with that. Right. I think so, you're right on, on the reasons, some of the reasons that people don't, and I'd throw one other one in there. I think some of it's expectation. I love the story of Charles Spurgeon where a young preacher went to him and said, Hey, oh yeah, I, I don't understand every time I preach, people don't get saved. And Spurgeon turned to him and said, you don't expect people to get saved every time you preach, do you? And he said, well, no. And then Spurgeon said, well, that's why people don't get saved. So I think part of it exactly. too is, is, is expectation. And even hearing your story, it's such a powerful story about that girl because you're right. Here she is basically with a death sentence and would have left without knowing Christ. I was in a in a major. I won't say what city because it might give away too much information. But I was in a one of America's biggest cities, and I won't say the name of the other church. But uh, a well known guy that's on television runs in the thousands. And uh, anyway, I was preaching in a nearby town, and uh, anyway, gave a public invitation unashamedly for people to say I want to invite Christ in my life. One of those mm-hmm. one of those people that came forward walked up to me after the service. And I'll change the name because, again, I'm not here to blast any preachers. But he said, "Yeah, do you know of uh, mega preacher John Doe? I said, oh, of course I, I've seen him on television. And I said, why do you ask? And he said, well, let me just tell you this. He said, I've been going to his church now for several years. And he said, the, I've never been to this church, and the only reason I'm here today is I overslept, and I knew I wouldn't make it in time. And this was the closest mm. to where I live. And he said, I've been going there for years, and I have never one time heard a clear presentation of the gospel until today. Wow. Kind of of similar to your situation, and I thought, again, I wouldn't say the guy's name, but if I did, a lot of people who are listening would know who I'm talking about. But here's Mm -hmm. a guy that's been going to church for years, and not, Mm -hmm. not unlike the story you told, had no idea what it meant to know Christ. I mean, this guy preaches or teaches, however you want to label it but didn't know the gospel. And of course I'm like you, Ronnie, I'm, there's a lot of ways to give invitations and they don't always have to be the same way. And another thing I, I, that you're super effective at, for those of you that are listening, man, you, you, you would do yourself and you would do your pastor a favor to say, go check out Ronnie Hill. Ronnie has a unique gift, not only to draw people to Christ, but Ronnie has a unique gifting on him. This may sound odd because I mean, you're not going to find this as a spiritual gift in the scripture, but Ronnie, uh, does a great job of not only leading people to Christ, but explaining to them the significance and importance of once you make that commitment to Christ of following the Lord in baptism. And so Ronnie not only has multitudes of people everywhere he goes from every walk of life come to know Christ, but Ronnie leaves churches. And I mean, I don't know of anybody that sees the numbers of people baptized and 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 I'm 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 not minimizing people who just get saved and go get baptized. But when somebody takes that extra step, there's just something about solidifying that commitment and and showing how serious somebody is of really taking that initial first step of hey, not only did I invite Christ in my life, but I'm going to follow him in scriptural baptism. I'm going to do what Jesus did when he allowed John to baptize him. Yeah. Well, the thing I tell you how it happened too is that. 
I encourage the church that's been done this forever that, hey, we get somebody get saved, encourage them to get, come back that night and bring the whole family and, and see them get baptized because then the whole family can get saved. And um, so, but I started doing it where we do the spontaneous baptism on Wednesday nights to help churches follow up with everybody that's been getting saved because, you, you know, what they criticize evangelists. Yeah, they had 100 people saved, but how many of them do we see? You know, where are they? How, how many of them got baptized? Well, there's no way some of these churches that are smaller churches are going to be able to you know, follow up on a hundred people in, in a week, much less two days. You know what Dr. Fish said today, they need to do it in. And so I thought this could be a good way to help them get them plugged in because when somebody gets baptized that they're serious, they're, they're all in. It's a, it's a done deal. You get them solidified in the church, but not only that, they, they get to meet other people too, because and here's another thing, a lot of pastors down the deal about come forward invitation, all that. What they need to realize is that that immediately gets them plugged in with somebody. And then that somebody could get them in a small group. And and because here's the deal, I don't care how they get saved in your church, whether it's CWTEE, uh, Evangelism Explosion, on the um, uh, at a vacation Bible school, at your revival, at your Easter service, whatever. If they don't know, statistics say this, if that person doesn't know seven people in your church in three months, they're gone. So that means if they, if they only know six, they're gone. They have to know seven to stick. And so you get them down the aisle, they, they meet somebody that counsels them, there's one, boom. They get them to come to their small group, there's two, three, four, boom, five, six, right there, just, just within a week. And then they can introduce somebody to somebody else, that kind of deal. And so if they're down in, on the come forward invitation, they don't understand. you got to get them plugged in. they got to meet people and sitting out there in the audience and praying the prayer, looking up at you, and then leaving. That don't get them tied in. You need to get them hooked up with somebody if, if you want them to stay. And so that was this whole reason why the, the baptism thing, man. They'll meet the person that's counseling with them. They'll meet the baptism person helping with a towel or whatever with the clothes. They're getting other contacts with other people while they're doing that. The more people they know, the better chance you have them staying. Right. Yeah. And, of course, the whole purpose of them staying is discipling them. where they Yeah, disciple them. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, man, you're super, super effective at it. Ronnie, uh, well, the best way you, for people to get in touch with you is, is going to your website. And it, again, yeah. Ronnie Hill, is it .org or .com? I don't remember. I've been to your website. .com. Yeah. And they yeah. can get gospel yeah. tracks. And then they can also, the, 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 there's uh, this, this deal where they can follow the three-minute testimony. I know you went through it today, but where they can read that in, in print. Yeah, they can go on there. And um, I can they can email me, and I can send them the link to that. But if they just go to Ronnie Hill, R-O-N-N-I-E, H-I-L-L.com, um, then they can, all my information is on there, my email, my phone number, and all that. So, Well, and, and as I said earlier, I've known Ronnie for years. Ronnie's got an impeccable track record. You don't stay around evangelism for 20-plus years if you're not doing something right, and th- that's just the way it is. Um, that's why there's very few left behind. And so I want to encourage our listeners. Your church may not even normally do an evangelistic outreach. Ronnie does so different, so many different facets of ministry. He does stuff with students. He does stuff with adults. He does stuff with rodeo people. He does stuff with men's events, women's events. And I encourage you to go to his website, tell your pastor about him. He'd be a great guy to have in your church. 
And not only that, but I'm sure you have unsaved friends and family members. Ronnie's the kind of guy that you can trust. You can bring somebody unsaved to hear Ronnie Hill, and there's one thing, they are going to hear the gospel. It's not going to be... It's Ronnie's a guy that tells the truth, but he tells the truth in love. He's he's just God's used Ronnie all over the world. Ronnie, man, listen, buddy. I, I and let me say something else. Uh, talking about you being the real deal, and talking about you being a giver. Um, I know I sent you a thank you note, but man, I, you being a giver, I'll never forget when my daughter went through what she went through. Man, even you sent us a gift and helped us out. You're just man. You're a stand up guy, brother, and I love you. And I respect well, you. Thank you, I, I, it's, it's weird. We're, we're close enough to one another. I don't know. We're just a few hours apart. Man, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to spend time with you. And I know you're busy, and I am too. But, man, it's just great having you on the podcast today. And just praise God, man, for how he's used you and how he's raised you up. And, and uh, man, I know he's going to continue to use you in great ways. Well, thank you, brother. And I appreciate you having me. And, hey, invitation's open. Come on over. We'll throw you on a horse. We uh, eat some steak or hamburger or something, throw it on the grill. We'll bring your family, man. It's, uh, uh, we miss you, and uh, we need to get together. It, it is a shame we live so close and don't get to see each other very much. Well, we'll have to do that. Matter of fact, the last time I was on a horse, I was on an elk hunt, and uh, it was 12 hours straight from base from uh, the pickup to base camp. And, and I'm all about riding horses. I grew up with horses, but man, 12 <laughs> hours when you hadn't been in the saddle in a while was a little bit slow. Yeah. I bet you're a little bow-legged after right. that, weren't you? I was. We love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love you too, man. Thank you. As always.